Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I am so grateful that you are tuning in. We are midway through the summer, and I hope that you are having a great summer, and I'm hoping you've had some time to get away and relax a little. Uh, if you follow this podcast regularly, you will know notice that uh, we have uh, taken a few weeks off from uh, posting sermons and content on the podcast. The reason for that was is I've been traveling with my family, uh, got away for a couple of weeks, and just enjoyed some time away. You know, recently I wrote an article on my blog, and you can find my blog on the web at chrisvot.net. Uh, but on the blog, I wrote an article entitled Permission to Rest. And I believe it's very important for us to understand that Jesus taught his disciples that they, there is uh, a need to rest when your world is busy, when it's chaotic with all the stresses. God created you to rest. Not only should we have a weekly personal Sabbath, where we worship God and rest our bodies. But there are times in our lives where we should just pull away a little. Jesus taught that to the disciples in very busy seasons. He would pull them away, sometimes to a mountainside, or Jesus himself modeled going away just to pray and be with the Father. And so I hope you have that opportunity. Now, for some, that becomes a scheduling conflict or uh, an issue with work, or maybe not having time off. For many people, the thought of taking a break becomes a uh, financial concern. There's a financial burden involved to taking some time away and resting. And uh, so with that in mind, being in the middle of the summer, uh, we're going to go back into our realign series. And today I'm going to share with you a message I preached several months ago from the platform there at Connection Point Church entitled Realign Our Finances. I want you to know that God cares about every area of your life, even your finances. And God has principles that we can go to from the Word of God and employ those into our lives. And uh, He can help align us with His plan and purpose. Remember, the whole theme of this series is when we find ourselves out of alignment with God's plan and God's will, that is a very painful, discouraging place to be. It brings pain, discomfort, discouragement. Um, it slows us down. But when we can be in alignment in any and all areas of our lives, when we're in alignment with God's will and plan and purpose, man, there's no better place to be, no sweeter place to be, no greater uh experience of peace than when you're in alignment with God's will. So uh, without going any longer in this introduction, let's go now to a message uh, from Connection Point Church that I preached several months ago in, entitled, Realign Your Finances. God bless you. And so today I want us to see this together because I want you to understand, some of you have, have let money lie to you and you think that your value is based on whatever the bottom line is on your checking account. And I want to tell you, you are more valuable than whatever's in your checking account today. 
God doesn't declare your value based on your wealth or your possessions or your lack thereof. God considers you worthy because you're created in the likeness and the image of his son. He knew you before you was ever even created in your mother's womb and you are valuable to him because he sent his son for you that you could have a relationship with him. So we go to his word and we find help in every area of our lives. This just happens to be one area that God does want to help you with. And we can trust the word of God. Look at first Peter, or second Peter chapter one, verse 20 and 21. Read it out loud with me. Ready? Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about from a prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God, read this last line with me, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. One more time, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is what's so fascinating about this book and why today we can trust it to speak in every area of our lives, even in the area of finances, because it's written over a 1,500-year period of time by more than 40 authors in three different languages and in, on three different continents. And yet from Genesis to Revelation, it has one theme. God wants salvation. He wants a relationship with you. It has one enemy, the devil. It has one problem, sin. It has one Savior, a champion named Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And I'm here to tell you that there's no way this book could have come together and be what it is had it not been carried along by the Holy Spirit. You can't get two people to write an essay and it come and look alike. Amen? Think about 40 authors, three languages, three continents, and 1,500 years, and yet it all goes together. That's the word of God, powered by the Holy Spirit. Now, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Let's read this one together. For all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In other words, not only does God have instructions for us in this, that if we'll be students of the word, it'll, increase, it'll bless our lives, not only show us how to get to heaven, but how to live a little bit more of heaven on earth, which the whole world needs, Amen. But it will also, it's also good for every area of life. It's relevant. So when you come to passages like this, it makes you set up and want to take, listen. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Read the last line, ready, go. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, this, this is where it gets really interesting. If you want to be a student of this book and you go read the teachings of Jesus for say, you're going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you're going to read, we know it's not all Jesus taught, but we have a good little uh, uh, summary of what he taught. John would, would write in his book, if he wrote down everything Jesus said and did, the world itself could not contain the amount of books that would be therein. So we know this is just a, a summary, really, of his teachings. And, but we, he gives us enough to put our faith in him and to learn and to grow and to mature. And we find a passage like this. And when you read the Gospels, here's what you find. Jesus, watch this. This is so crazy. Jesus spoke more about your view of money, wealth, and the way you manage possessions than he did heaven and hell combined. And how many believe that heaven and hell is pretty important to Jesus? Amen. Do you know that the Bible, uh, Jesus gave a lot of stories, a lot of parables. Half of the parables deal with your view or your response to 
or how you steward resources. Do you know that if you take the teachings of Jesus, just written down in the Gospels, 15% of those would deal with your view of money or resources. And I know what some of you are doing right now. You're like, preacher, you just stick to preaching and leave my wallet alone. Well, see, that's where you, you're off track already. Jesus had a lot to say about your resources. Now, I don't know what kind of sermons you've ever heard. I, I can promise you this. Uh, my goal today is just to be real and authentic with you and straight out of the Word of God. I'm, not, I'm here to teach you principles because God wants to help you in this area. And why does God want to help you with this? Here's a principle. It's not on your outline, but you ought to write it down. Why did Jesus talk about this so much? Because Jesus knows what you don't master will eventually master you. What you don't master will eventually master you. And there's only one person who wants to have your devotion, your love, your affection, and that is God. There's only one person who wants you to find your value in him, and that is in God. And God knows if there's anything in your life that can pull you away. Listen, this is all true, and we all know this is true. If there's anything in this world, anything that we deal with on a daily basis that has the power to distract us, to pull us away, to lie to us about where our value is, to give the mastery of our affection over to. It is the allurement of money, wealth, and possessions. Because we all struggle with our value sometimes. And we judge it by numbers. And that's why Jesus deals with it so much. Money's not evil, but man, does Satan know how to use it to mess some people up? Can somebody say Amen. He knows how to use it, and it'll master you if you're not careful. So let me say this up front, too. Everyone in this room and everyone watching online, we're all at different levels financially. This is not about what, what you have or what you don't. Some of you have an abundance right now. Great. These principles are wonderful for you. Some of you are in a series of lack right now. You're struggling. Great. Not, that's not great. The principles God has for you is great. Because if you practice the principles, God can help put you on a course that that becomes better, that, that you can manage it and it not manage you. Okay, that's what I meant by, by great. Do not take that clip out of context and put me online. For that. All right. That was one. All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, too late. Um, God has plans. He has principles that if we follow, whether you're in lack or you're, or you're in abundance, God can put you on a path of alignment that you can be used to be a blessing and a benefit not only to you. He can give you peace of mind. You can have mastery over where your money's going, but also you can be a blessing. You can be generous because God wants you to have a heart of generosity. So look on your Western's notes and let's write this down. Here's one of our codes. Here's one of our values here at CPC. We want to be a church that is full of people who are leading the way. We want to lead the way with excessive generosity. We want to be known as a place of generosity. And I want us to be a people of generosity. And you say, why is generosity important? Why is it a value of this church? Here's why. Write this down. Because generosity displays the heart of God. You cannot not be 
uh, generous if you want to display to the world the heart of God. Generosity displays the heart of God. In fact, listen to this. In the, uh, in the Hebrew, there, the word for generosity is this word tesedekah. Just say that with me. It's just kind of fun to say in church. Tesedekah. Tesedekah is the word for generosity. It means an act of justice or righteousness. When you're being generous, you're doing an act of justice. When you're generous, you're doing an act of righteousness. Now, now here's, where, here's where this just gets absolutely mind-boggling to me. If you study the Old Testament in its original languages, in Hebrew and Aramaic, there's at least 19 names for God displayed there. At least 19 times God describes himself with a specific name so you understand his character. One of the names of God in the Old Testament is Jehovah Tesetniku. Jehovah means the self-existent eternal God. Tesetika means an act of righteousness or justice. It's the word for generosity. So catch this. So when you're being generous, you're, why are you displaying the heart of God? Because our God is a self-existent eternal God who is righteous and does justice. In other words, your self-existent eternal God is a generous God. How many are glad he is generous today? How many say he's blessed you more than you deserve? How many give him three seconds of a thank you for being so generous to you? I wanted to give you a verse that I believe shows the generosity of God and how we should respond to it. Look at 1 John chapter 3 on your message notes. Read this out loud with me. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. And we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Stop there for a moment. Don't go any further. Do you see the generosity of God? Do you see Jehovah Tesetniku in that verse? What did God do for you because he loves you and he's such a generous God? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What did God do for you? What did Jesus do? Jesus willingly laid down his life for you so that you could have eternal life and have salvation. What should our response be then if we're going to display the heart of Jesus? The verse says, then we ought to also lay down our lives for others. You see that? You say, well, pastor, how can I lay down my life? Am I supposed to be a martyr? Thank God we have martyrs all over the world making an impact for Jesus today. Not that anybody wants to be a martyr, but thank God that there are men and women who are faithful enough to believe the verse and to love the Lord. And, and listen, the only reason why you're here this morning in this church with a Bible in your hand is because Christians for years have been laying down their lives for other believers. We have freedom that's been paid for by the blood and sacrifice of many believers. The freedoms we have. Amen. But now look at verse 17. He goes on. Here's one way we can lay down our lives for the brethren. How can we do it? Verse 17. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does the love of God reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in speech. Read it. But in action and truth. So one of the ways we display the heart of God is by being generous to people in need. Write this down. Generosity is also an act of worship. Do you know that when we take up tithes and offerings and when you bring your gift next week on MAD, 
If you give it for the right, from the right heart and the right reason, it's an act of worship. One day Jesus was in the temple. You can read this in Mark chapter 12. Jesus was in the temple and there were people coming by. If you want to know if they gave offerings in the temple, yes, they did. They had 13 offering vessels lined up the front. 13. What would you do if next Sunday on Mad Sunday we had 13 deacons out here and elders with, with baskets in their hands just waiting for you to come by? Be a little weird, wouldn't it? 13 vessels. One day Jesus was in that temple and the people were coming by at the time of offering. People were giving. Jesus is there. And all of a sudden, a widow came by and she had two mites in her hand. Two mites. Two of the poorest coins of the poorest people in her hands. And she dropped in two mites and Jesus stopped it all. And he said to his disciples, you see that poor widow? She gave two mites today. I tell you, she gave more than anyone else in the church. She said, he said, they all gave out of their abundance, but this poor widow gave everything she had. Now, here's the background of the story that you need to know. There was a benevolence program in the ancient times where a widow was given two mites a day. And that was just enough food for her to buy a daily ration of food. So for whatever reason, we don't know her story. We don't know what she was praying about. We don't know what was burdening her heart. But for some reason, that poor widow on that specific day chose to fast her food for the day. And she gave all of the resources that would have bought her food for that day. She gave it in the house of the Lord. Why? We don't know. But she gave it. Now, it wasn't that she had to do that every single day because seven days later, she had been passed out and dying of starvation, right? Jesus didn't say she needs to do it every day, but in that moment, in that moment, for whatever reason, for that moment, she gave her two mites. She gave up her day of provision for that moment, and Jesus was in the church, and here's the deal. That woman didn't know who Jesus was in the temple that day. She didn't know she was being watched, but Jesus watched, and Jesus saw her heart. And it wasn't the amount. Do you catch that? It wasn't the amount. It was the heart behind the gift that Jesus saw. And don't you know that Jesus honored her for that? I mean, think about it. We're 2,000 years later, and here I am standing in front of you telling you her story 2,000 years later. Amen? You can't outdo God. Say Amen. You just can't outdo God, ladies and gentlemen. And he notices. So even next week when we bring our offering, listen to me. One thing you're not going to hear in this church is me getting up and telling you how much to give. I don't look at your giving. That's between you and God. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to be generous. I'm asking you to display the heart of God. And I'm asking you to do it as an act of worship. I don't even want you to bring an offering. If you can't give it to the Lord as a free will offering from your heart, as a cheerful giver. But if you can give it from your heart, you give. Whatever that number is. God will honor it because it was given from the right spirit. Amen? Generosity is an act of worship. Now, look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. You see that? That's honor. That's worship. Say, read that first line out with me. Come on. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And then with the first produce of your entire harvest. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle that first half of the phrase of the sentence, honor the Lord with your possessions, because that's worship. The second, circle it. I'm going to talk about it in a few minutes. Honor the Lord with the first produce of your harvest. Now, why is this so important? Because if you want to be generous, that displays the heart of God. If you want to be generous and act in worship, listen to me. You need to develop a plan 
based on biblical principles so you can be generous. And that's why it's so important that we go to the Word of God. That's why I read you those verses a while ago that showed you how relevant the Word of God is for you because in the Scriptures, you can find principles that help you lay out a foundational plan or financial plan based on biblical principles so that in your life, you can make a difference at times by showing generosity. This is how you set yourself up and you prepare for generosity. Look at Proverbs 23, verse four and five. I'll come back to Proverbs three in a moment. Here's what Proverbs 23 says. Don't wear yourself out to get rich because you know better. Stop. As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears for it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle in the sky. How many of you have ever gotten up, looked at your checking book and said, where did it all go? <laughs> Amen. And if you don't have a plan, I'm telling you, you will always be wondering, where did it fly away? This is why Jesus spoke about this. Because he doesn't want it to master you. He doesn't want it to consume you. He wants you to take mastery over it and put it in its rightful place. Use it for the needs that you have and then in order to bless the kingdom and be generous. Use it as a tool to make an impact with your life, not to rule over your life. And so that's why you have a plan. You need a plan. You need a budget. And you need to know how to put it together. And so we're going to look at three quickly, three areas that you can add to your financial plan. Here's the first one. You need to be able to invest in the kingdom of God. And we call that in the church world, this word that comes out of the Old Testament. Let's read it. Tithe, which literally means a tenth. Go back there to Proverbs chapter 3 again. And look again at verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Somebody shout, that's worship. With your giving, right? And with the first. Somebody shout, the first. Produce of your entire harvest. That's the tithe. That's where the tithe comes in. Because in that day that that was written, wealth was attributed to the crops as they came in, the livestock, the, the uh, resources, uh, the produce that they could uh, develop, uh, grow on their farms and, and sell the meat. Uh, so so they're, they're, the livestock and the farming was all tied to their wealth. And here's the, here's the principle. They would give the first tenth to the Lord as an act of worship, giving back to God because they knew one thing, God was the owner of it all. And when you're lined up with God financially and you realize God owns it all, you realize you don't own anything. He owns it. You're the manager of it. And then you don't have a problem giving 10% of it back to him because it's his anyway. Here's something that, that, that irks your preacher. When somebody says, I'm going to give 10% of my money to the Lord. I'm bringing my tithe. Look at me. It's all his. It's not your tithe. You're returning his tithe back to him. Do you understand the difference? Now, why I said it irks me. I was just teasing. But why do I bring that up? It's a total different mindset. I'm giving 10% to the work of the kingdom. Goodness, you know what I can do with that 10%? Or, amen, God has been so good to me. He's given me all this. 10% of it is going right back into his kingdom. Praise the Lord. I got this 90% over here that he provided for me. For the Lord is the one that gives me the ability to make wealth. 
Amen? Totally different perspective. Do you see it? And so it's a tithe. It goes back to the Lord. Look at Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. Every tenth of the land's produce, grain from the soil and fruit from the tree belongs to the Lord. Say it with me. Come on, read it. It is holy to the Lord. You're giving the Lord back his tithe. Now, there's questions that come in your mind when you start tithing. If you're not a tither and the Holy Spirit's uh, uh, leading you to become a tither, there's going to be some questions that's going to run through your mind. One, can I trust God to provide for me if I'm giving the tithe back? Well, listen, if you'll study the Bible, here's what you'll find. You can't outgive God, and God has always provided for his people when they're faithful. Amen? Here's the second question. Can I? Can, am I willing? And that's the, really the big question you got to ask yourself. Am I willing to have a plan so I can be generous with my resources? And that's where we're at today. Are you willing to have a plan? In your plan, the first 10%, you need to set aside and invest it in the kingdom of God. Then secondly, you need to be in, investing in your future. This is absolutely biblical. This is what God wants you to do. He wants you to prepare for your tomorrows. You don't live for tomorrow, but you ought to be prepared for tomorrow. And in fact, he wants you to set aside a certain percentage, and you get to choose what that number is. And I want to tell you, it's going to change at different phases or stages in your life. Some of you are going to start out today, and you can't really put any money aside because of where your debt ratio is to income, and we're going to have to work with you and help you, and we've got resources that can do that, but you're going to have to have a plan to get yourself financially out of some of the debt so that you can start planning for your future. Some of you have an abundance, and you can, you can set numbers aside, and so you can put a little aside for the future. And you need to plan not only for your financial future, for things that are going to break down. You're going to have to replace that car. You're going to have to replace that appliance. But you also one day want to look at retirement. You need to set some monies aside for that. You need to start that. You young people need to start now. You need to start while you're young and let it build over time. But you also, this is a great place to set aside a percentage of your giving uh, for generosity. And you can set some money aside so that when MAD comes up next year, it's not like an alarm going off going, oh, what am I going to do? You can say, man, I've been planning for this. I've been praying over this. I've been preparing for this. When you're out and you see a need and you want to give to that need, you don't have to feel guilty about it. You can say, hey, I even know what I can give to someone who's in need because I have planned for it. Now, you may not be in that position yet, but you ought to have a desire to want to get there. And if you have a desire to get there, there are ways that you can work over time to get your finances in a position where you can have money set aside for the future and to be generous with. Then it's fun to give money away. When I know I got a certain amount over here that has been chosen, I'm going to give that away this year. And then I see a need and I give it away. Hey, it's fun. In fact, I want to show you some verses on this. Proverbs 6.6 6 teaches us uh, about savings. Look at this. Go to the ant, you slacker. You know, that's just kind of fun for the preacher to be able to say in church. I mean, there's not many times I get to call you slackers, right? But then I got to think, man, God said that to me too. All right. Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Look at it. Without a leader or administrator or a ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer and it gathers its food during the harvest. Why does an ant gather during the harvest? Because winter's coming. 
You see that? God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to prepare. Then when you prepare, you can set money aside in order to be generous. Look at Philippians chapter four, verse 18 and 19. This is when the apostle Paul was out in ministry and the church of Philippi, who was wise with their finances, set money aside to provide for him in the ministry. Look at this. Paul says, I'm fully supplied, having received from Ephroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And everybody loves verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. But do you see it in context to how the verse is supposed to be used? Because see, we just run around going, my God will supply all my needs. My God will supply all my needs. My God will supply all my needs. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. The principle is God will supply all your needs if, go back a verse, you are living generously. You can't outgive God. You can't outdo God. You see, don't take it out of verse, context. It is totally tied back to you being generous. Look at Deuteronomy 15.10. Give to him. And don't have a stingy heart when you give. Because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you do. Will God bless you when you don't have a stingy heart? Yes. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. I love this verse. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or out of compulsion. Read the last line with me. For God loves a, circle that. God loves a cheerful giver. The giving is up to you. It's no one else's business. It's no one else's determination for you. It's up to you. But when you give, you ought to give generously. And as you're giving, you got to give cheerfully. And that word cheerful in the, in the Greek that Paul used is the word hilaros. Where we get our word hilarious. So here's what I expect next Sunday. When you bring your offering or your pledge card, or you online, give your gift online. I expect you as you're coming through or as you're clicking online to laugh, to give it with cheer, to give it with some joy, to have joy, hilarious joy inside you. Why? Because you mastered it. It didn't master you and you told it where to go in Jesus' name. Amen? That's the blessing of generosity. Hmm. Here's the third one. Invest in the now. See, as you, as you invest in the kingdom and you invest for your future, then what's left over, you get to enjoy in the now. Now, now here's, a, here's, a, here's an issue, especially in our American culture. Some of the other countries who are watching us this morning they, they don't seem to struggle with this sometimes as much as we do um, with our uh, fake vision of the American dream. Is we like to live beyond our means. But the biblical principle is live within your means. That way you don't get ruled over, you get to rule over. And it doesn't mean you don't strive for better or to do more. You can. It's just that in every stage of your life, learn this principle. Be content to be in my means here. Keep pushing, keep stretching, keep growing. But then I get to a new stage. I was in lack. 
Now I'm not in as much lack, but then I'm going to keep growing, keep stretching, keep pursuing. And then I get into more of an abundance stage. But in all stages, the area of contentment is what speaks so loudly to the people watching your life, just like it did to Jesus with the widow in the temple. Look at what Paul said. Paul said in Philippians 4, I don't know, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself. I know how to make do with a little. And I know how to do with a lot. I know how to make do with a little. I know how to make do with a lot. Do I need to say that again? Because ain't nobody talking back to me. Paul says, I know how to do with a little. And I know what to do with a lot. In any, in all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm in abundance or whether I'm in need. Here's another verse that often gets took out of context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does he give you the strength to do? He gives you the strength to live content in all things. You want a testimony for Jesus? Let the world see that in lack or in abundance, neither changes you. You have a heart for God and a heart for people. You're content either way. There's a peace comes from the Lord. Amen? I said this last night. I read a, read a tweet yesterday from a young girl who spent a lot of her life as an atheist. She said, when I was an atheist, I was always angry at Christians who had joy. She said, now that I'm in Christ myself, <laughs> I have the joy that used to anger me. That's powerful. Let's, have, let's be a people that in lack or in need, live by biblical principles in our finances and are lined up so that the world watching can see a little bit of Jesus in any and all circumstances where we're at. Amen? As I said at the beginning of the sermon, some of you, we're all on different levels in this area, but these are principles to apply. Some of you today can live by a 10, 10, 80 rule. You can invest 10%, you can save 10% and have some money for generosity, but you gotta live on 80% because of your debt ratio. Others of you aren't in that shape. You're at a 10, 15, 75. You can invest 10, you got 15% you can put aside and have that for savings and retirement and some offering money. And then you're living on 75. Some of you are in real good shape. You can do 10, 20, 70%. Then there's some of you in the room watching online. Man, those are dreams for you right now. You're going to struggle to do a 5% tithe and live on 95%. Wherever you're at, God's got principles for you that if you start where you are and you know where you want to go and you start laying out those principles and you start being faithful, even in a little, and you take the time to get the resources 
and a spiritual family who will come alongside you and encourage you and instruct you if you let them. Because right now we've got financial papers, uh, instructions, things, uh, helps at our care connection that you can take home with you and read. We've got people in this church who, if you would like it, we have people who actually sit down with you at your table and help you walk through financial planning. We've got classes that we do in this church, like Financial Peace University, to help you overcome that debt ratio in your life and be able to manage the money instead of the money managing you. We've got resources there for you. And if you have a desire to go, if you'll start at wherever you are today and be faithful and set a goal and say, man, I'm telling you, I can only do 5% tithe right now, but in six months, I'm gonna have this paid off. I'm gonna be in this spot. I'm gonna get the help that I need. I'll be able to be a tither in six months. God will honor that. He'll honor that. And then you'll be able to start saving. And then you'll be able to have generous money. And you'll, you just don't know where God could have you this time next year. If you start where you are today and say, you know what? There is a whole lot of truth what that old boy up there is saying today. God cares about every area of my life. And he wants me to have, the, have a little bit of heaven on earth. And what I mean by that is he wants me to have his joy and his peace and his contentment in every area of my life, and he'll speak to me right where I am today. He'll help your marriage. He can help your kids. He can help your peace of mind. He can even help you make wise financial choices. Amen? He won't do it for you, but he'll give you instructions if you'll follow him. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Here, or excuse me, let me give you the big takeaway. Here's your big takeaway. I believe this. I believe what God wants to do is he wants to line you up in his plan and purposes so that he can position you for you to use your words to make a difference. Every one of you have a testimony, amen? And you can use that testimony for the glory of Jesus. And God wants you to use your actions. You know, everyone today can pray this prayer. Oh God, help me to see where I can help. Let me see where I can serve. Some of you need to join a ministry team. Some of you need to go through our growth tracks so that you can help us serve in some areas that we need some help. Some of you need to be looking across the street and seeing your neighbor who's in need and going across there and showing a little love. Whatever it is, God, open my eyes. Show me how to use my words, how to use my actions. And Lord, even how to get my finances in a position that God, I can make a difference with my resources. God wants to use your words, your actions, and your resources. He wants to use all of you to make an impact for his name on this earth. Amen? How many are thankful you got a generous God who wants to help you and bless your life so you can be a blessing? Amen? Amen? Now pray with me. And let's pray and ask his help today. Can we do that, Father? We love and adore you today, Lord Jesus. Thank you for making yourself available to us. Jesus, that's what we wanna do right now. We wanna make ourselves available to you. That God, you could use our words, our testimony to make an impact. That God, you could use our actions, help us in our actions to make an impact. But God, even in the area of our finances, which nobody wants to talk about in church. But God, today we lay it down at your feet. And we say, God, Give us the wisdom to make the right choices, follow your biblical principles so that our lives can even be used to bless others with our resources. 
Father God, you are available to us. Help us today to say, yes, Lord, I want to be available for you. God, you laid down your lives for us. Help us to dedicate our lives to you today. Forgive us of our sin. Cleanse us of our failures. Help us pick up the pieces and keep moving forward in your name. I pray it all in Jesus' beautiful name. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit. Thank you for joining us today for The Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our